Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Mesdames et Messieurs, merci d'avoir patienté et bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique des résultats financiers du deuxième trimestre 2020. Présentement, toutes les lignes des participants sont en mode d'écoute. Après la présentation, il y aura une période de questions et réponses. Pour poser une question, appuyez sur étoile 1 sur votre téléphone. Si vous avez besoin d'aide, veuillez appuyer sur étoile 0. Je vais maintenant céder la parole à Louis Junot, chef des affaires juridiques à Unicelect. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Uniselect Inc. 2020 second quarter results <coughs> conference call. At this time, all participants are in a lesson-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I will now like to turn the conference over to your speaker today. Louis Junot, Chief Legal Officer and Corporate Secretary at Uniselect, please go ahead. Thank you, Julie. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Uniselect second quarter conference call. Presenting this morning are uh, Brent Quindon, President and CEO of Uniselect and President and CEO of Canadian Automotive Group, and Eric Bussière, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Following their comments, we will open the call for questions. Please note that all documents referred to in this <coughs> conference call, including this webcast presentation, can be found on our website at uniselect.com in the investors section. As noted on slide two, I would like to remind you about uh, the caution regarding forward-looking statements, which apply to our presentation and comments. All amounts are expressed in U.S. dollars except as otherwise specified. With that, let me turn the call over to Brett. Thank you, Louis. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Our second quarter is the first quarter that we report the full impact of COVID-19. As expected, our results are significantly lower than the same period last year, but are better than our initial expectations. First, I would like to thank our team members for the countless hours and sacrifices made in the past few months. We're proud of how the entire organization successfully came together and implemented the actions required to deal with the impacts of the pandemic. We're especially thankful to our customers, members, and supply partners as we recognize they too have been adjusting to the, this new norm. We trust the updates we provided have been beneficial to the financial market. Overall, our actions resulted in a much better financial performance than we had first anticipated and we continue to see encouraging signs of recovery in each of the business units. Today, I will provide a quick overview of the market conditions, an update on our COVID-19 measures, the key takeaways for the second quarter, the status of our continuous improvement plan. Following my comments, Eric will review our profitability and financial condition, <clears throat> and we will provide an outlook based on the visibility that we have as of today. Let's turn to page four, please. As you know, the automotive aftermarket is an essential service industry. With that said, it is, it is and has been affected by the pandemic. In the U.S., 
The CCC reported the repairable automotive insurance claims were down 35% for the second quarter of 2020, compared to the same period last year. However, we have seen a marked month-over-month improvement from April to June. While April was down over 50%, May was down 34.5%, and June was down 25.7%, half of the impact from the peak. Our performance at FinishMaster mirrors the industry trends at this point. Turning to Canada, according to the desk of research of Rollenberger, total miles driven in April were down 35% and 4% in June. CAG has been the least impacted and has remained strong through this period. We are monitoring the forecasted miles driven as they are expected to be reduced by up to 14% in 2020, according to the NRCAN International Transport Forum. In the UK, the impact from the pandemic hit hard initially, but has been the quickest to recover. In fact, according to the UK Government Statistics Office, road traffic was down 33% of normal levels in April, 50% in May, and 69% in June. And we have seen our revenues rebound accordingly as well. While the industry is certainly impacted, we are seeing signs of recovery. As the containment measures have been lifted, the market is recovering, we have, and we have adjusted our actions accordingly. Please turn to page five for a COVID-19 update. Recall that on the onset of COVID-19 in March, we quickly and proactively implemented measures to minimize the impact on our operations. We put in place stringent protocols for social distancing and hygiene precautions to safeguard our team members, our customers, and supply partners. We have also implemented temporary measures for business continuity We furloughed approximately 50% of our workforce. We reduced work hours by 20% or salary reductions for most team members. We temporarily closed about one-third of our stores across the network, and the stores that remained open were operating at reduced hours. We also implemented a cash preservation plan to ensure maximum liquidity and financial flexibility. We tightened the management of working capital and non-essential expenses, reduced capital expenditures, and customer investments. And the Board of Directors reduced its remuneration and suspended the dividend. As of June 30th, we are pleased to report that more than 80% of our company stores were opened and operational, while 12% of our stores were operating at reduced hours, and 3% were limited activities for essential services. In addition, 30% of our, our team members were temporarily furloughed and about 10% of our team members were working for a reduced schedule. In addition, the pandemic helped us identify further opportunities to accelerate our transformation. From those, we are driving a number of initiatives in each of the business to improve the overall efficiencies. In conjunction with the businesses, we have formed a continuous improvement team that focuses on identifying and implementing these various initiatives. Let's turn to page six. We made great strides in our cash management and access to liquidity in the second quarter. We successfully refinanced our debt, giving us access to additional liquidity and more flexible financial terms and conditions. We also managed our inventory and receivables, and we have been able to lower our total net debt by $24 million in Q2, despite the revenue headwinds brought on by the pandemic. Eric will provide more details on, on this in a moment. What remains uncertain is how long the recovery will last. We will continue to monitor the announcements of the governments and adjust to the dynamic market conditions to 
to ensure we remain in our leadership position in each of the businesses. The automotive aftermarket and industry has been a resilient in the past, and we're convinced that it will would be no different this time. Let's turn to page seven. In Q2, given the actions we put in place on the onset of the pandemic and the pace of recovery, our second quarter results were better than expected, as stated. Consolidated sales for the second quarter were down 34% to $303 million from $456 million last year. The adjusted EBITDA amount of $15 million from $36 million last year. Despite these results, we generated $35 million of cash flow from the operations. We ended the quarter with 431 stores in our network at the same level as last quarter. The overall results were impacted by lower sales due to the COVID-19, which directly impacted our gross margin and absorption of fixed costs. In addition, they were impacted by the expected revenue decrease from the integration of the company stores in the last 12 months. Additional revenues, excuse me, additional reserves for obsolescence and bad debt both which totaled about $6 million more than last year, as well as the lower incentives due to the optimization of inventory. However, since April, we are showing encouraging signs of recovery with steady growth month over month. While sales were down about 50% in April, at the end of June, we're 85% over the same level that they were in the same month last year. Throughout the difficult operating environment for all of us, we maintained our market share and we continue to drive continuous long-term improvements and to all three business models. Let's turn to page eight, please. In the second quarter, we accelerated our continuous improvement initiatives. These initiatives are based on long-term approach to further improve the productivity and the efficiency of all segments, while ensuring the customer needs are remain our focus. Our main objectives of the plan are to ensure that our customers are served to the highest standards that operations and service models are positioned to meet the long-term demands and expectations of the market in which we operate. We will continue to be a strong market leader while ensuring the safe and healthy environments for all parties. We expect the newly implemented continuous improvement plan to generate between 28 to 30 million in annualized savings by the end of 2020. The execution of the plan started in June and we are well positioned for the recovery and the, post and the growth post COVID-19. At the end of June, we generated about half or 14 million of the annualized cost savings it is important to note the, the, that the realized, uh, realized annualized savings of the second quarter are based on the first quarter 2020 operating run rate. Again, we would like to thank our manufacturer channel partners for their collaboration and support. And certainly our customer success and safety are and will remain our primary focus. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to Eric for our financial review. Eric? Thank you, Brent, and good morning, everyone. Please turn to page 17 for consolidated profits. For the second quarter, we reported a loss of $24.2 million, or $0.57 per share, versus a profit of $6.3 million, or $0.15 per share last year. Adjusted earnings for the quarter were a loss of $9.7 million, or $0.23 per share, versus a profit of $10.4 million, or $0.25 per share last year. The decrease in adjusted earnings was mainly attributable to lower adjusted earnings before tax and a different income tax rate. It should be noted that our Q2 results do not include any benefits from the Canadian CEWB program, but is expected to be in Q3. Now let me comment on our cash flow on page 18. 
Recall that our second quarter cash flow from operations is typically neutral to positive, and we were able to maintain this seasonality trend even in the face of COVID, where our revenue were impacted by 34% compared to the same period last year. We generated $34.9 million of cash flow from operation in the second quarter versus 97.2 last year. This positive cash flow was mainly due to our cash preservation plan. We continued to optimize our inventory at Finishmaster as well as in the other segments, which improved our working capital by about $73 million year-over-year. In fact, since the beginning of the year, we reduced our inventory level by approximately $140 million, of which a minimum of $100 million should be considered a permanent reduction going forward. In addition, with the emphasis on the collection of receivables, we improve our working capital by another $51 million year-over-year. However, these cash inflow were more than offset by the timing of payables, as we had highlighted last quarter, and lower operating results. As part of our cash conversion plan, we kept our capital deployment to a minimum. In the second quarter, we continued to invest modestly in CapEx and merchants, <coughs> paid dividends, and also paid down debt. Note that the dividends paid in April was the last one paid as all future dividends have been suspended in order to provide more financial flexibility. We generated $12.9 million of free cash flow for the quarter, compared to $32.1 million last year. This variation is primarily due to the decline in margins, mainly in relation to the lower volume rebates associated with the impact of COVID-19, as well as higher interest payments on long-term debt. Turning to page 19. On May 29th, we successfully secured new credit facility, providing access to additional liquidity with more flexible financial terms and conditions. The new $565 million secured credit facility, which will mature on June 30th, 2023, consists of $350 million revolving credit facility and $215 million term facility. These new facilities increase our total available liquidity by an additional $100 million to about $215 million. They also provide a more favorable covenant structure and more latitude to manage our business under the current context. As of June 30, 2020, our outstanding total net debt stood at $444 million, including $94 million of IFRS lease obligation, a decrease of $24 million versus the $468 million and $96 million, respectively, three months earlier. We are very pleased that even in this difficult operating environment, we were able to reduce our debt level on an absolute basis from the quarter from last quarter. Obviously, given the decrease in profitability, the same can't be said for leverage ratio. When you exclude IF16 lease obligation, total net debt to adjusted EBITDA stood at 3.6 times versus 3.18 times for the same period last year. Having said that, we were in compliance with all our bank covenants. Based on our assumption and expectation, we believe that our current liquidity and future cash flow in countries <coughs> will be sufficient to meet our operating, financial, and capital needs. Turning to page 20 for the outlook. We are seeing encouraging signs and are working on the assumption that demands will continue to progressively improve in Q3 and be back to more normalized, sometime, normalized levels sometime in the back half of 2021. However, there remains significant uncertainty going forward from the implication of the pandemic, and it is difficult to estimate or predict at this time the potential impact. In this context, let me provide you with some color on what we see for the balance of the year with the visibility we have. July consolidated sales continued to hold and improve sequentially over June, which is a good sign, but it is hard to determine at this point if it is tangible or just a question of time. 
More importantly, we expect to encounter in Q3 some temporary supply chain issues as manufacturers are challenged with the spike of recent demands. We expect this issue to, be subsi to subside itself by the end of the third quarter, but it could temporarily impact some of our sales. In general, we expect the aftermarket to recover more rapidly than the refinished market as lower miles driven has a significant impact on claims. More specifically, we expect finished master sales to recover on a regional basis as opposed to on a national basis, as there is an increase in COVID-19 cases in selected states that have returned to lockdown measures and thus are experiencing a decline in collision repairs once more. Furthermore, national and MSO sales are recovering faster than the independent market. CAG's second quarter 2020 sales include pent-up demand. However, we expect miles-driven to continue to recover in Q320 on the back of normal seasonality. It is also important to point out that the refinished market in Canada is experiencing similar trend as in the U.S. Finally, recall that the second half of the year is always a softer period for TPA. However, the market in Q420 is expected to get a boost from the Ministry of Transport required testing, which was postponed to October from April due to the COVID-19. That could offset some of the usual, uh, but not completely, seasonality. With regards to the continuous improvement plan, we expect the bulk of the remaining announced savings to be realized in Q3, with residual amount left in Q4. As a reminder, these savings are based on our Q1 run rate. After that, the continuous improvement journey will continue as part of the ongoing culture and benefit for the long term. We will continue to focus on our cash management in this period of reduced demands. For the balance of the year, we will manage capital investment and working capital prudently. With the increased sales, we now expect our cash outflow in Q3 to be lower by approximately 25 to 35 million on our total account payables compared to the second quarter. As it relates to capital expenditure and customer investments, we are in the process of relaunching certain initiatives as each business recovers. For 2020, we now expect the investment in capital expenditure between 16 to 18 million and approximately 50 to 60% of what we invested in 2019 for merchant members and incentives to customers. Taking into account all these variables, we expect our total net debt level at the end of the year to be similar to last year. We are confident that we have a solid financial plan to address the current price and sufficient liquidity to meet our current operating and capital needs. This completes the financial review of the second quarter. I will now turn the call over to Brent to conclude. <coughs> Thank you, Eric. In conclusion, we are pleased with the Q2 performance in light of the global crisis and our team's ability to execute in the extreme circumstances and look forward to the new opportunities with our continuous improvement plans. While we are adapting to the new norm, a strong emphasis is being put on the various sales initiatives in each of the businesses. The actions we have and will take will not only benefit us in the second quarter, but will position us positively for the long term. I would like to thank our team members again for their commitment to adapt and to execute, for our customers, our suppliers, and shareholders for their support. This concludes our presentation. We are now ready to answer your questions. Julie, if you'll open the line, please. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please hold while we count all the questions. Your first question comes from the line of Jean-François Lavoie with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning, gentlemen, and congratulations for the strong quarter. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. So I appreciate the uh, the indication for the sales performance in June 
So it was very helpful to um, to see the trend. But I was wondering if you could help us uh, understand how the sales has progressed in July and maybe on a on a segment per segment, please. So I, I would I'll, I'll categorize it in the automotive as a whole. Uh, we've continued to see marked improvements in both the automotive segments. I would see the the refinished business both in Canada and the U.S. are uh, slower to recovery, as Eric mentioned. Um, it's very much in line with what we're hearing and seeing from the industry with both our paint manufacturers as well as uh, um, the market. But uh, we're certainly in line with the, the paint. We don't believe we've lost any market share, uh, but it's just a slower trend than than cur currently with the automotive side. Okay, great. And then. Continuing on the comment you just said about the recovery in the uh, auto parts market, would it be fair to say that the Canadian segment will recover maybe faster than in the UK in Q3, and then maybe a, a switch in Q4 as the the, the, the boost from the Ministry of Transport uh, required testing? Well, look, uh, I think for the Canadian business, uh, no, you're, you're right that it's probably the business that will have the strongest sales performance compared to the two other businesses in Q3. Um, you know, I, I do want to caution everybody that there is seasonality in those businesses, and that seasonality will remain with us in, in the Q4 in, in the CAG business. And remember that for TPA, we have seasonality on the back half of the of the uh, of the year, right? So, um, on the back of that. We do think that the Ministry of Transport in the UK, by pushing the uh, uh, mandatory inspection to Q4 from the April uh, delays, will have a bit of a bump in our in our revenue, but not to offset the full amount of the, the seasonality in the UK. So it, it's a bit of a, a, a balance uh, balancing act uh, that you have to think about. And as we pointed out, uh, we don't expect Finish Master to recover at the same speed. It's just going to take a little bit longer for for that business to recover, uh, from our perspective. Okay, great. Thanks for the caller. And then one last for me. Uh, so you mentioned the supply chain issues that are expected to potentially impact sales in Q3. I was wondering if this uh, this situation was more related to uh, auto parts or it's across the board. Thank you very much. Yeah, so uh, very fair question. I would tell you we're seeing it more in the automotive sector on the parts side uh, than the paint, but I would tell you we are seeing some uh, issues on the paint to be transparent. Um, we do believe it's really driven by the, the sheer spike in demand uh, and the recovery of the automotive side of the businesses uh, from our, our key manufacturers. We're working very much collaboratively with them, uh, and we do we do believe it's a short-term issue. And is, is there any any way to quantify what might be the uh, the potential impact in Q3? Uh, in I don't know in, in percentage of sales, or it's uh, too early to tell. Your, your latter statement is correct. It's just too early. Uh, quite frankly, we're, we've experienced it in the last uh, probably two to four weeks. And uh, with Eric and I trying to be very transparent with you guys and give you uh, as much relevant information as we, we see through the process, uh, we, we felt it uh, viable to sort of signal that right now. Uh, but we don't have any quanti quantitative uh, impacts at all. Perfect. Thank you very much for the call. Yep. Thank you, Jean-François. And your next question comes from the line of Jonathan Lamer with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Uh, 
just picking up on the supply chain issues, you know, I mean, the auto parts businesses carry quite a bit of inventory in the warehouses. Is there any way to sort of size the portion of SKUs that could be affected, or, or is it really across the board? Well, it, it, we, we see it in we see it in segments with specific manufacturers, and when it really happens, it, it you know it depends. Um, you know, we carry over uh, we catalog over three million SKUs and 500 manufacturers. Uh, so you're right, it's it, it is a very broad base. But uh, you know, when you look at it uh, yeah, right now, we we just uh, we're monitoring it. We're, we've got teams on it full time to make sure that because through Q2, we had excellent fill rates. Our supply chain was very strong. Um, and uh, we were able to lower inventories without sacrificing any any supply chain uh, compromise. And so we're just uh, we're cautious about uh, the recovery of that and our, our growth back in Q3. Uh, but it's too early to tell, um, Jonathan, at this point. Can you comment on the July fill rates, or is it too early to say? Um, I, I would tell you that we're 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 down slightly uh, from where we were in in Q2. Um, not alarming at any moment, uh, but certainly you know we're just concerned with uh, if our acceleration continues, that could be acerbated some bit. That's all. Thank you. Um, and how do you see uh, payroll and benefits changing into Q3? Uh, I believe you've applied for some government support programs like the CEWB. Um, I'm sure. just curious if you have any any idea, how, you know, what size of benefit you might be receiving. Yeah, Jonathan, it's Eric. Uh, I think that uh, from the uh, third, uh, second, and third period under the program uh, in, in Canada, we expect the amount to be uh, roughly in about four million dollar Canadian. Uh, that would actually uh, be accounted for in Q3. Um, we're in that process as we speak, and we've been very diligent to ensure that we're, we're within the boundaries of the programs. Uh, as you know, there's been a lot of uh, uh, guidance and rules issued uh, over time on this program. We, we want to be uh, prudent and make sure that uh, we, uh, we file it in context of what the regulator wants. So that's, uh, that's on its way. And uh, as it relates to the U.S., we don't expect any real tangible benefits. And in the U.K., there, there will be some, um, but it's, it's a bit early also for the U.K. Okay, thank you. And uh, Brent, circling back to your comments on the refinish market, uh, you know, I believe the industry is talking about Demand being 80% of prior year levels at the end of end of June is that consistent with what uh, you're seeing in the U.S.? Well, I, I would say that everything we've seen is you know it's probably in that 20 that 25 to 35% range uh, in June. It depends on uh, if you're looking at the manufacturers of the CCC reports, um, and we believe we're we're certainly in line with that with what we indicated uh, by month uh, finished masters trend is. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. I was speaking to the exit rate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think everybody's expecting uh, it, it to be in that, I would say, our guideline is probably 15 to 25, uh, and 20 is probably a safe number in the middle. Um, but, and so we're, but we're, it's dynamically, as Eric mentioned, it's happening by region instead of global. 
so it depends on the density. Uh, you know, California in the west is really being impacted again with the COVID impacts, and we're very we're dense in California, as you know. So we're we're, we're monitoring the sensitivity of this. I mean, dynamically every day, every day. But clearly, it's 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 not a fundamental flaw of the uh, of the business. Uh, it's just a sheer demand issue right now. Okay, thanks. And can you remind us how uh, you see the MOT testing requirement implemented in Q4, boosting demand in the UK? And, and yeah, sure. Give us an idea of what impact this might have. Thank you. Well, I mean, quantifying it is a is a tougher putt. But what I can tell you is uh, the Ministry of Transport suspended mandatory inspection back in April uh, because of COVID and uh, postponed those inspections basically to Q4. So we would expect a bit of a pent-up demand linked to that in Q4. Um, obviously, someone that drove his car and needed a repair in the meantime got the inspection done at the same time, right? So that's where the, it's not, I'm not willing to say that everybody did not have their car inspected uh, because if you had a repair to be done, you probably did the inspection at the same time. But what, what we believe, uh, Jonathan, is some of the demand that should have materialized in Q2 uh, has been pushed to Q4 because of the Ministry's Transport Mandatory Inspection and should let, should help the seasonality uh, in that case. But uh, I do want to caution everybody that there will still be, in our opinion, some seasonality in the UK in the second Thanks. That's clear. I'll pass the line. Thank, Thank you. you. And your next question comes from the line of Daryl Young with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Morning, Daryl. Morning. Daryl. Morning. Um, so first question, uh, obviously quite a bit of noise in the quarter. I was wondering if I could get maybe a little bit more detail on what the margin profile looked like, um, not to go month by month, but sort of exiting the quarter because um, you've taken a lot of costs out and, and obviously sales have recovered. And so just sort of what a run rate margin might look like at current levels. Yeah, look, uh, I think it's uh, you're right that there is noise in the quarters simply because we had a lot of our employees that were on furlough during the quarter. So that's why we're, we're trying to make a distinction between the run rate of Q1 and the cost actions that we've taken and how we foresee those cost actions uh, reflect against the Q1 offering run rate. Uh, the $14 million costs out that we took in towards the end of June, uh, those should be looked in the context of their Q1 run rate costs since a lot of those employees were either on furlough uh, or, or uh, on reduced hours, right? So I think from, from a modeling standpoint, you need to look at it from that perspective. And as we said, we expect to crystallize the second portion of our savings, right, that will range between 28 and $30 million uh, on annualized run rate to be materialized in, in, the, in the Q3. And quite frankly, uh, it should all be done by mid-August, or most of it will be done by mid-August, is our expectations. Um, in terms of the overall operating and run rate, look, if you take that uh, 28 to $30 million operating costs uh, on an annualized basis, knowing that there was 14 crystallized in July and uh, June, sorry, and the balance will be done in Q3, uh, I think that gives you an ascent, a pretty good sense of the uh, operating expenses uh, salary-wise. Um, the key variable, quite, quite frankly, they're always on the top line, right? I think we've done what, what was doable uh, offside. I think we've done a pretty, pretty good job, an extensive job on all aspects. Uh, and now we, you know, we're, we're well positioned to, uh, to manage the business with the current revenue level, and I hope that the revenue will, will rebound further in, in the next six months. Okay, great. 
And then you made a comment on uh, the MSOs, our activity levels are coming back faster. I was just wondering if you could maybe give a, a little bit of color on, on some of the market dynamics and how things are playing out with your customer base in terms of uh, the mom and pops uh, versus the MSOs. So I, I'll, let, I'll let Eric answer uh, in just a moment. I would just say from a, on the traditional side, uh, we saw them to be very consistent throughout the, the COVID uh, uh, period. Uh, it was the MSOs that actually contracted probably more in the national accounts, uh, being larger in scope um, and uh, more of a production type of business. We, we have certainly seen them uh, as they reopened um, to to come back to their market share uh, growth, and they've done it faster than, and quite frankly, I think we expected. Uh, it's not bad news; it's good news, uh, but it is uh, it is just a trend within the sector. So uh, uh, we still remain a dominant supplier to both channels, and uh, and that was just an, uh, a flavor in the quarter. Yeah, I think I would, as Brent alluded to, uh, the the paint manufacturers have been uh, also signaling very similar things that we've seen. Um, and the, um, sorry, there's, hang on, Daryl. So the, uh, the, uh, the the traditional segments, as Brent said, was fairly constant in the quarter, but it's a, it's a variation at the uh, national account level where we saw a higher decrease at the beginning of the quarter and a higher pickup towards the end of the quarter. Um, I believe one of the painted manufacturers also indicated that they did not experience or saw a significant bankruptcy at the uh, indefinite level, uh, and we haven't seen any specific trends at this point. Uh, so you know, we'll see, and obviously we're monitoring the situation. Okay, and then at the at the distributor level, uh, have you, have you seen any competitive shifts or changes, or are there any expectations for for further consolidation that might change the competitive dynamics as we uh, shift through uh, through the back end of COVID? I, I think it's a little early to tell that that dynamic at this point. Uh, I think you know I think consolidation is inevitable in all three business segments over time. It's just a matter of to your question, when? So. Okay, uh, and then just one quick one. Uh, when you say activity levels are back at eighty-five percent, um, was that the kind of the last week of June or exiting, or is that and is that consistent with what you're seeing now? Um, well, <laughs> when you're when we're saying this, I think you have to think more about the month and the week. Because uh, we don't we don't really report on a week by week basis, quite frankly, uh, we do track this on a week by week basis. But our comment was more towards the month. Okay, great. That, that's it. Thanks for thanks, guys, and congrats on a, a good result. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, press star one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Zachary Evershed with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Congrats on morning. Morning, Zachary. Uh, apologies in advance. I disconnected for a while, so if I hit a question that's already been asked, my apology. Um, are there any stores that you were able to reopen that were subsequently shut down again with what's happening in the states? Um, we, we, no, but what we have seen is uh, having to flex hours with any given stores, uh, and obviously with the uh, with the U.S. Uh, 
market. Uh, we're, it's certainly not a, an, an impossibility that that could happen, Zachary, because this has, uh, as the pandemic uh, has the impact, you know, and we've seen some markets closing and, and shutting down. But right now, so far, what we've done rather is to reduce hours, uh, specific stores, if, if that warranted. Uh, and we will continue to flex if need be. Uh, and are you seeing further progress in reopening of stores throughout July? The, so, sorry, the line broke a little bit, Zachary. Did we see? Uh, further progress in store reopening through July. Yeah, we uh, we are reopening certain stores and we'll continue to reopen certain stores. Uh, we've done that in July and there's a few that will open in, in August. Uh, but also, obviously, as part of our uh, plan and restructuring plan, there are certain stores that will not reopen, uh, and, and we'll announce that to the market as those are being permanently shut down. Understood. Would you be able to walk us through the potential supply chain issues and maybe put a price tag on the impact of that? It's, it's too early to, to uh, determine the impact uh, to supply chain. Uh, the, the supply chain disruption that we may or may have in the businesses at this point. Uh, I would just tell you that we're proactively managing that with our supply partners uh, and helping them with everything we can from forecasting to uh, uh, alternate uh, suppliers or supply chain uh, alternatives for our customers in the, in the meantime, uh, if, if, if it's needed. So at this point, we don't have any real color. It's just something that we're, we're living through day to day part of the dynamic recovery of the COVID. Uh, and last one for me, uh, was there any impact from government grants for Canadian automotive? Yeah, there was about $700,000 uh, of uh, subsidies in the overall results. As I pointed out, Zachary, the CEWB uh, has, are not in our Q2 results. Uh, benefits from that is expected in Q3 to the tune of about $4 million Canadian. Um, that. Hello? Okay, and there are no further questions at this time. I will turn the call back over to the presenters for closing remarks. Thank you, Julie. Um, thank you for joining us today, and thank you for your support. Uh, we will continue to update on our progress, and we look forward to our next uh, quarterly call with you. Thanks, and be safe. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.